Hi everyone, welcome back to Uncomfortable. Comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, I always get that tongue tied for my own self, for my own podcast. <laughs> and I just find myself always being wrong. Um, I have my first guest here. I'm going to not butcher your name, but everyone knows that I don't spell anyone's name or say names correctly, but I'm going to do my best to try to get this one right. Let's see if you can break, I can break my record. I know how to say it, right? I it's a stone that's very nice and it's beautiful, but for some reason I always get it wrong. But I'm, I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna try this. A myth. Okay, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> not gonna do it. Amethysta. Oh, amethysta. See, I, I, I thought I was gonna break the record this time, so I apologize in advance. But that is a running joke that makes me because. A, I forget people's names, and B, I'm bad at pronunciation names. And pronunciation? Can't even talk to that. And that one's not even an easy one. So, no. It's but I love it. Good it's a beautiful name. What is your nickname? I just go by Amy because it seems a little easier. I like that. I, I can get Amy right. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> so. Well, Amy, thank you uh, for being on our show today. Uh, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Um, we met on Podmatch, which is one of the greatest um, kind of Podmatching um, platforms that's out there. I'm not saying that's a sponsorship, but I'm plugging Podmatch, but it's actually really great <laughs> for you people out there who are in the podcast community. Um, and um, we're going to talk a little bit about you and your background and really get to know more about kind of a uh, science which i think is amazing that we uh have science but also we don't really talk a lot about also women in science so it'd be really great to talk about that from your experience and what you've had to go through um we'll talk a little bit about gender inequality um for someone who's actually clueless who may not know and understand which i think is really important it's, it's a lot of us out there so it'd be great to kind of have that um, um expertise on that because i know it's uh, something you have in your background um, your journey experiences um, as a transgender woman as well, which I think is something really important that we should discuss and talk about and really make awareness to people out there that realize it's not just Caitlyn Jenner out there in the world. There's a lot more people in the world that um, have gone through this and have had this happen. So it'd be great to hear that. And obviously, the most important part, which I'm really looking forward to, is um, the importance of mental health and how awareness can help people. LGBTQIA community, which I think we don't speak enough about that as well. So um, that's what topics we're going to talk about. So, well, first off, I just want to know how has your February been so far? I mean, we're already February 2024. I know, and it's the 20th. So we only have like, what, nine more days left of it. <laughs> Amazing, right? It's just crazy. And a leap year of all those things. Right. I love, but I love leap years. So for what it's worth, the February has gone really dang well, especially yeah. given we have the 29th. For some reason that always, the 29th is always a special day to me yeah. anyway. I I wanted to be born on it. I wasn't. Funny enough, one of my friends was born on the 29th and they celebrate okay. their birthday every four years. I mean, they could celebrate the 28th, <laughs> right. but they choose to do it every four years, which I think is kind of cool in a way, but. I would think you want a birthday every year, but yeah, they're okay with that. I want to know. At my age, I'm I'm okay with not having a birthday every year. <laughs> and like I'm over that. I think it gets to a point <laughs> on birthdays, she thinks the point of like 
I, for myself, I've always thought about turning 18, turning 21. Right. And as I've gotten older, I'm like, okay, if I'm late, I mean, I'm 41 now, but I was like, maybe I was in my late 20s, those were something important. And then your 30s right. came along and you're like, I just don't care anymore. Like, if you have a party, that's great. Awesome. But like, at the end of the day, I'm like, I, I don't really care either way. You know? Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> uh, although I will say, you know, not not to not to preempt any conversation on mental health, what was not interesting to me, say, I don't know, three, four years ago, there's a big change in how I feel about celebrating my life today than there was, you know, a couple of couple of years ago before I transitioned. So it's very true. Yeah. You I have something more to it. celebrate. And mm -hmm. It's really great. I try to look at this point of like I get older and as a gay man, I think once you get past 40, you're either a zaddy or you're just someone's daddy. So <laughs> I, it's one of the two. I, I think that's what happens. So I think I'm still in zaddy territory. So I'm okay with that. For you. I think I so. Can I can live with that. I can, I can live with that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I mean, um, go ahead and tell us a little about yourself and about, you know, what you've been really um, focusing on and working on and the, the audience gets to know you a little bit. Sure. Oh, gosh. Let me see. I should have written an elevator pitch, but I didn't. So <laughs> off the cuff. So I am Amethyst Herrick. I am a transgender woman. My I have an educational background in biology, including genetics, and then ultimately finished a, a PhD in analytical chemistry. Then I went directly into a 25-year career in technology. But I transitioned gender in 2022. I was 52 years old at the time. Sorry. And I felt so much better about myself, about my life, about the world, that I thought it was very important for me to, to write about it. And so I started writing about it. And today, not only do I publish um, you know, original thought and theory about identity and gender, I also love to talk about it. Um, why we are who we are and and what parts if any society ought to play with it uh, play in it which is why you and I are talking cuz that's kind of an uncomfortable subject depending upon what state you're you're currently in Preach. <laughs> sorry i was quicker elevator pitch than i thought dude <laughs> no it was good i like that was, listen sometimes you want to make it as quick as possible but um obviously um you know, what is it about science that attracts you so much to this kind of genre of what you want to do? Like, what was it that really say, hey, you know, I love science. I want to run with this. I want to make this happen. Mm -hmm. You know, what was it for you and the science of your field that made you say, this is what I want to do? You know, that really, that question goes to the real, real base of who I am. Because who I am is somebody who always wants to know why. I wanted to know, I mean, I want to know why about everything. When when I was younger, um, you know, I wanted to know why the sky was blue, why the sun rose every morning, why I was the way I was, why people didn't treat me the way I knew I was. Yeah. And I thought going into genetics actually was going to do that. And which, you know, was my earliest education. I actually built a... um a model of DNA when I was, I don't know, 10th grade, 11th grade. I Wait, did you exactly. do it before they did it in Jurassic Park? Because that's how I learned about DNA. 
<laughs> yes. Okay. Would, it would have been it wouldn't have been before the book was published, but yes, certainly okay. <laughs> before okay. Jurassic Park came out. So but I always wanted to know why. And that's actually, you know, worked very well for me through my entire career. Mm-hmm. As a graduate student, you know, the point is you're gonna do research. And and since I wanted to know why, perfect. Right. Um and then when I went into technology, I actually, it served me extremely well there too, because if you have a problem, I want to know the real nuts and bolts of it, you know, it is, it's in software is what I mean. So right. if we had a problem with a software system, <clears throat> I was always good at going in and finding out what the problem was to fix it. And believe it or not, that served me well as a manager as well. When I got to the point where I was managing other team members and then ultimately I got it I got into executive management um finding out why a business ran well was part of how I ended up you know managing a, a team as well so wow. now when I think about my life and I'm writing about the transgender experience and about identity I want to know why we are who we are so wow. you know to to sum that you know to sum up to and answer your question succinctly I went into science because there's always a why, and I need to know what that why is. Right. I think we always do that ourselves, too. We always wonder why certain aspects of things happen, but there's also people who are just kind of like, eh, it's fine where it is. I don't want to change. Oh, yeah. You know? Yes. But I think the inquisitive mind is always great. They say curiosity killed the cat, but then what was the cat actually doing to cause their death? (laughs) So... You know, though, the the second half of that phrase, though, is satisfaction brought it back. So, think, so you know, sass, uh, curiosity killed the cat, but, you know, he was so satisfied, came on back. I like to think of that as myself. You know, I go down these rabbit holes and go, ooh, that was a bad rabbit hole. And then I wake up the next morning and go, dang, I'm glad I went down the rabbit hole. So <laughs> I'm I love okay that. with it. <laughs> and then how has your... Um kind of career have been? Has your career been really great? I mean, has there been any pitfalls? Has there been a lot of back and forth? I mean, we talked about obviously where you live and, and you know, right. in that aspect, but how has that journey been for you? It's, I have gone through many jobs. So, you know, starting off in biology and then switching to chemistry and then switching to technology, it's clear that I don't I'm not sure what the, I want to say like, I don't apply myself, but I do obviously finish things right. and I've been successful as a technologist in large part because I am the one who can finish things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I have to keep on moving. I I believe, and I'm, I'm extemporizing here too, because I honestly, I, there's a lot of my career that I haven't bothered to, to investigate, um, you know, since I retired. Right or retired from technology anyway, I I think a lot of why I switched around from team to team and from technology to technology and product to product was mm-hmm. in part because I wanted, I always need new problems to solve. There's that. But I also want to identify myself through my job. That's that's been a long-standing problem of mine. That I don't see myself as Amy Herrick. I see myself as a software engineer, a manager, the person who's keeping this company afloat. Whatever. Right. 
But this, I think, really plays into the struggles I, I've had with identity. So while I could be successful in my career, I, I think that I used my career as a as a like a prosthetic identity. Right. I think that's a good way of thinking of it. That's a good way. You know, and I think, you know, you, you know, as a, per as a transgender person, do you think, you know, on top of, as you talk about being in this field and being in such a, maybe a male, very dominated workplace yes. or, you know, career field, has there been any pitfalls that made you think that, hmm, do I want to still stick with this? Or hmm, am I going to fight for this? Or, hmm. You know what? I'm not gonna let. I mean, it's like it's always you said. You, yes, I know I'd be proud of who I am, but like, do I want to be the poster child for that? Do I want to stand for that? When it's like I really want to worry about the research and, and really these groundbreaking things you talked about with genetics and everything else. Like, that's how to be a constant thing you have to struggle with. It is. I mean, I think it's it's kind of it's kind of both. By by, one of the things that I do is I tend to believe in things so completely and give myself over to them so completely that I become a symbol of what it is I'm trying to do. And that served me extremely well as a manager. People were, were very glad to follow me because I could, ex I could explain the why, why are we doing what, what we're doing? Here's why. Mm -hmm. And it's a good reason. And people will go, dang, like, she really believes that I'll right. follow her. Now that worked great when I looked down. I shouldn't use the word down, but when, when I when I looked to my own team, you know, the team that I was on, whether they were peers or whether they were, you know, people I managed, people I directed, mm -hmm. it worked great then. But looking up was awful because typically the people to whom I reported were men. And even when I presented as a man, I didn't act like other men other men want well at least in technology i'm not going to say in general right but at least in technology these men needed to establish dominance mm. and all i cared about was solving problems yeah it was almost like so, you were a threat to them in a way you were like okay she's you know this person's coming in and they're yes. you know making all these changes and this i mean which i think happens in any job i think we all could attest right. to that you come in right. with great ideas you come in with great tenacity to do well but yes you're always threatening someone so yes was that yes. ever a hostile work environment for you ever oh absolutely yeah oh. i but i i was gonna say i built that up but i'm gonna i'm gonna take that back i'm not gonna own that mm -hmm. uh i actually had a conversation with somebody recently where we were talking about advertising and I swear this will come back together, but we were talking about advertising and I said, yeah, you know, I went into a store and I didn't find anything that fit me. And so I just left, you know, I probably could have said something to him and maybe they'd change it, but that's really on me. I should have said something. And then I thought, no, wrong, because if the brand wants to attract me, the brand has to has to attract me. It's not my job to go back to the brand and say, guess what? You have now lost me because you didn't do anything to, to make me want to be there. Right. And I think companies are the same. The, the reason why I've always been able to express a why for what I'm doing and for what a team is doing, where a product is going, is because that's what you need in order to go somewhere. So mm. it's, it's definitely been a challenge to have to come up against, you know, 
people who were my superiors, people to whom I reported, mm -hmm. who were more concerned about looking cool than finishing a product. Um, yes, I, I oftentimes represented a threat because there is, I think that, I think there are two ways to be successful. And one of them is, um, well, actually this is summed up by a phrase. I think this is a military phrase, either yeah. to da dazzle them with your brilliance or baffle them with bull crap. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a good way of looking and at that. I didn't know it. I think I I think I typically dazzle people with my brilliance, maybe. Absolutely. <laughs> and there were there were others who wanted to baffle, you know, baffle the world with with their bull. So when you when when those two come up against each other, typically it's the the ability that that's going to win out. So right. anyway, it was I was always a threat, always a threat, and that always led to a toxic work environment that I can either. I could either own by saying I should have done something or say, no, no, what I did was my job and they made it worse. So, yeah. and you know, and it, it's kind of hard to be in that scenario too, because I've been in many work environments. I remember, oh God, I worked at Gap and oh, gosh. The stories of working at Gap. Yeah. And like literally it's stereotype of what I still think Kanye West's song where it's like they put all the black people in the back. And they did. You, you don't oh, think gosh. about it. But like you don't think about it. But then you think about it now and you're like, should I have said something back then? I mean, I was young. Like, right. It was a job. Right. You know, I made money. Mm -hmm. I didn't really think much of it. But ideally the process you went through, you're just kind of like, yeah, that was kind of fucked up when you think about yes. it. Yes. You know? Yes. And But you're like, I'm here to get a check. I'm here to make money. But at the same time, it, it, it all, if it goes unheard, how does anything get solved? And I think right. that you, you probably have to play with it a lot of feeling like, okay, if I don't, I guess look for me, I think of, am I set an example for future generations to come? And what am I doing to kind of help along that process? Because I right. think we sometimes have to get out of our own heads and then it's like, do I want maybe a family member of mine or a friend to go through that probably not i'm okay to be able to, to have gone through that myself but do i want them to go through that so yes. i wonder for you like was that such a struggle to think about you know what you're setting and and there's in a way almost trend setting and kind of saying like listen i know i love my work i know what i'm going through but i want this to be somewhat easier for someone to come along the same way and have someone say i look up to you I want to be able to say, like, I can make these changes happen. And for seeing that, I mean, in a way, does that kind of make you feel good? Knowing that the things that you've done, what you've done in your career, has really hopefully opened up the doors for people like yourselves to come in and hopefully break down these barriers and to be able to appreciate it and be accepted for who they are, but also for the work they bring to the table. That's a difficult question to answer. What I feel I did, um, there's really, really raw <laughs> confession here. Mm -hmm. What I feel I did was quit. Because mm -hmm. as I transitioned, it, before I even did a social transition, I left technology okay. and, and started writing. So to a certain extent, I feel like I left behind my brothers and sisters in in technology to fend for themselves mm -hmm. so that's part of it when i 
When I look at the work that I do now, I like to think that it that it's at a at a level higher or maybe a level lower. I don't mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly what which direction the level goes, but but it's it's at a place where it affects not just my brothers and sisters in technology, but it's it it talks about humanity. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I give it the the phrase human activism because I could I could uh, you know, stump for I'm not I'm not sure the word I want to use. I could be an activist and say, let's make technology better. Right. You know, let's get more representation. Let's be more inclusive. Let's have women and and LGBTQ community. You know, let's do this. And I would actually rather, believe it or not, do that at a at a a level where society just naturally understands, yeah, we got to do that. Why would we have a technology company that does not yeah. include everybody? Why would we do that? So right. I don't know how successful I am now or how successful I will be, but that is the mission I have to work toward. I have to work toward the idea that every human has this essential equality and this essential need to be acknowledged. Yeah. And I think that goes into, you know, our next topic, which is more gender inequality, which really talks about, you know, you want to have this bigger scope of how to really help people understand this more. So, you know, I think, you know, coming from someone, I actually had this conversation with my mother and, you know, she came to me. um, She's part of the baby boomers. She's Mm -hmm. in her 60s, 65. And Mm -hmm. she's like, you know, I took a class on learning about gender identity. And I said, okay, that's great. And I said, what did you, do you have questions about it? Do you, you know, something you want to say? She goes, I just don't get it. She was like, I don't, I said, okay, that's great. I said, okay, but what is it you don't get? You know, she's like, well, I just don't want to mislabel someone. Now my mom's not a bigot. She's not, you know, any of those people. She's probably one of the most wonderful open people, a lot, probably nicer than I am, but it's like, (laughs) but she, you know, she wants to understand, which I feel like from her generation, but maybe other people, it's, it is a question of like, how do I approach this? How do I do this without being insensitive to someone or not mislabeling someone and not coming off like, oh, homophobic or, or you're, you're this way. And it's like, I'm not, I just don't understand. You know, how would you address someone who comes into that space and really is like, Hey, I'm here. Um, I don't understand what it means to be uh, they or him, he, she, you know, how would you even help someone really understand, you know, to do that? I think, oh gosh, it's a great, it's a great, 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 great question. And I absolutely, I actually have been, I had the same conversation with a friend of mine, Mm -hmm. like having coffee about, I don't know, five hours ago. No kidding. What um, a great way that I see to explain this. Like right now, if you if I were to say, do you understand being a man? I think you'd say yes. Do you understand? Do you understand being a woman? No. You know, I have multiple sisters, but no, this does not make the same understand. (laughs) Sure. As far as the transgender experience goes, I don't really understand being a man. I always had a bad a, a bad uh what's the word I, I wasn't a good a good talent at playing a man you right. know if we want to think of gender as a performance my performance was generally not very good <laughs> I, you know most people thought i was 
I was gay and mm-hmm. and that I am not big in stature nor, you know, particularly um, robust right. helped play into that. So I didn't understand being a man very well, but I do understand being a woman. How? Hmm. I'm not sure. The same way that you understand being a man. If if we're going to, which is to say it's ineffable and we can go into, you know, where, where, where gender comes from later on. But mm-hmm. if we were going to describe the non-binary experience and for what it's worth, actually, I struggled with that for the longest time. And at some point I'm thinking to myself, I'm going, but if I understand, if I understand being a woman, but I don't understand being a man, how can you not understand either? And I went, wait, no, that actually explained it right there. While I don't understand being a man and I do understand being a woman and you understand being a man, but don't understand being a woman, a non-binary person goes, yeah, I don't really see either, you know, the, the ability to perform that role. Yeah. And, you know, it's I think it's I think it's uh, unfortunate that much of our much of the the rhetoric around gender comes from ultimately somewhat of a scientific and social dogmatism. Mm -hmm. The idea that your chromosomes end up defining so much of psychology and behavior. Right. But that dogmatism i think is what play is really what makes this difficult you know we we understand our gender typically implicitly and if you can ask somebody who says if you can say well what gender do you understand and they say i under i understand gender x whatever it is and you go so you don't understand this and they go no then you can say this is what i understand just flip-flopped around and then a non-binary person just doesn't see either um right so I, I don't know that it's exactly the most elegant way of, of thinking about that, but it it really, at least for me, brought home what non-binary went. And you'd think I might have like a clue on what non-binary meant as a transgender woman, but I don't. Right. I, I still anyone, really... I, mean, I think it's hard. Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah. no I'm saying I, I think it's very hard because I think it's... You know, and, you know, as you talk about this, it's an individual experience. You know, I had a friend yes. that she went through the process of uh, it, a day and I said, okay, if that's what you want to go by, I'm totally okay with that. But yeah, and she went and said she wanted to be called she. And I said, ideally, whatever you feel comfortable with, I'm okay. I may get it wrong. I may mess up a little bit here and there, but mm-hmm. feel free to correct me. You know, it's not me intentionally mislabeling you, but it's me maybe being uneducated, but also just making sure that. I come from a world where it's like, it was just a boy and girl, but then there's also the level we talk about sexuality. Like you have to be gay. You have to be straight. You have to be, you know, bisexuality doesn't exist. I mean, (laughs) right. Like everybody has their own journey when it comes to that. You can never tell someone that they have to fit into a box and do that. But I think within our own community, we have a hard time doing that as well, because as much as we have so many letters, which have nothing against that. It's a mouthful, but it's, you know, do we really acknowledge every aspect of the letters in that, you know, LGBTQ. I I mean, I know we're trying to, but then we really accept it in our community. Are they really fully accepted in that aspect? You know? No, no, I don't. I don't believe so. I, the reason why I will say no, and I said it pretty quickly, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Yeah. The, the reason why I don't is because we continue to worry about labels 
-hmm. like lesbian or gay or bisexual or transgender, cisgender, intersex, asexual. Why do these mean anything to us? Why are the labels so definitive of our experience? Right. Because they, they're not. I mean, you know, I, I've identified as bisexual for 30 years. Mm. But really, that just meant that I picked up the label because it was actually, well, it wasn't quite 30 years. It would have been like summer of 19, whatever that is, 94. I was a chemist, not a mathematician. Um, <laughs> but the 90s were amazing. Were, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I learned so much in the 1990s about myself. You know, yeah, good, that's good, going yeah. through going through the 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 exploration of do I like men? Do I like mm -hmm. women? Right. I mean, I remember waking up one day and going, you know what? I do. I like men and women. And I gave myself the label and suddenly I felt better about myself. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I think it makes no sense. Why? Why must we label people? That's such a good question. And, and, you know, we're probably at the same cross path this where it's like, I, I used to think it's because society wants to put you into a box. Yes. We think about to the senses and I, and I hope this is changing. I don't have any factual information on this, that this, the U S census or any census in general, is really right. being inclusive of all people because yes. not everyone could fit into those boxes. I mean, remember back in the day, I, I think if you were biracial, you had to pick one or the other, but you might've come oh, from gosh. both races and you have yeah. to that's something that part of your identity who you are but you have right. to pick one or the other you know right. so i feel right. like when it comes to gender equality i'm hoping that that change happens but i do think our society wants to put you in a label and they want to mm -hmm. put you into this box of who you are but i'm i have seen sm smallly and i think even with maybe the younger generation that those labels are starting to diminish a little bit. I think they're starting to speak up a little more and say so. they're not, you know, oh, I'm not, I'm queer now, which right. uh, as an older gay man, I'm like, uh, okay, d does it mean you like men? Does it mean like women? I don't, I don't really know. Like, I don't know. But then I have to sit and ask these kids today and be like, okay, this is what it really means. I'm exploring whatever cases be. And which we maybe didn't have the freedoms to do those things back in the day. But nowadays, it's a little becoming more accepting to do that. But I still right. feel like it's it's hard because I personally, in my mind, still am like, well, you need to maybe pick a box. But now I'm like, no, maybe you don't need to pick a box. You know, if you're happy right. and you're not hurting anyone, then I think you're okay right. doing whatever is best for you. And as long as you're honest Agreed. with the person or partner that you're with, it shouldn't matter at that point. You know, because you have this open level of communication. But right. I think a lot of times we don't think like that. And especially if you look in the Bible belt, nothing against self. Yeah. Uh, you know, the good Lord's Bible, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, you know, the King Shane, that, that's, that's what you're supposed <laughs> to go by. And it's like, of course. Uh, it's like, you know, if you read the Bible, you realize there's a lot of like shit in there that's like pretty wrong, you know, but yeah, we, well, we, sure. we gloss over that. We want to hit the mm -hmm. topics of like, you need to get married, you need to do this. Right. I make a I make a very funny joke to my friends, where it was one of the I believe it was one of the commandments. It says, "Thou should not cover thy neighbor's wife." I said, "But what about the husband?" We didn't think oh, about that, gosh. now did we? Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome, day, right? But it's like these are the things. I, I know we have commandments, we have things, we have laws, and we have rules and regulations. But 
all that stuff goes out of the window after a while because at the end of the day, if you're living your truth and you're being happy and you're being your well self, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter at all. It it should not matter. And and I will actually there there is clinical evidence that if you live your truth, I'm actually I'm saying clinical evidence. Let me actually back this up a little bit. <laughs> there was a um an existential psychologist, and I'm going to use that phrase, and I'm guarantee there's some psychologist out there right now who's going to go, oh, God, really? <laughs> Just ready. I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there was an existential psychologist. His name is uh, was Rollo May. He's now passed on. But in the, in the 1960s, he had, has, you know, some clinical, how do you put this? He had some patients, a patient who comes in and says, oh, my gosh, Dr. May. I uh, I just I hate gay people. I just I want to punch them every time I see it. I just want to. Oh God, I cannot stand them. And and Rollo May says, "Wow, think about that. You know, go home and and think about it. is that who you are? And we'll talk about it next week. And and some other you know that guy goes home. I don't know how close they were, but there was another patient who comes in and goes, God, Doctor May, I." I think I might be gay, but I really, really don't want to be gay because people are going to hate me and want to punch me in the face. You know, and Rollo May was probably like, oh, actually, he just, yeah, he just missed him. Good thing. No, but but he says, well, think about that. You know, is that who you are? And, and uh, you know, consider that. And so both of the people come back. I'm telling this story way too long. Both of the people come back and the first guy says, I thought about that and, and I realized if that is who I am and I live that, then then I, I have to allow other people to live what they do too. Because I've thought about it and I, yeah, I want to be that person. But if I'm going to do that, then I have to allow other people to be the person they are. Right. This is an interesting example that there was a guy who was really kind of a jerk and said, yeah, I'm going to continue being a jerk. But because he thought about I need to be this jerk. He actually thought other people should be capable of doing the same, should be, should have the right to do the same. And it was the exact same with a guy who came back who said, yeah, I, I thought about it and it turns out I'm gay and, and that's fine. It, because I am secure in who I am, I really don't care if somebody hates me yeah. because Absolutely. I am who I am and that's okay if other people, you know, are who they are. The, the, Point being, now that I've taken 70 years to, to tell the story, that Rollo May ended up writing a book called Love and Will. And this mm -hmm. is one of the big, um, uh, one of the big uh, lessons in it, that when, when we investigate who we are, not only do we find out who that is and feel better about ourselves, we realize that this is a process each of us must go through. And as a result, we're much more willing to allow people to do that themselves and and to come to their own conclusions rather than hating them without uh you know any other provocation so it's it's an interesting you know i'm trying to remember what the hell topic we were talking about before i told the story was it a good one i hope i don't still we're talking about gender inequality it makes a lot of sense i mean i think you're totally right it's and it goes back to the fact of the unknown. I think people, and this is throughout history, people yeah. are always scared of the unknown. They're always scared yes. of the fact of things they don't know, things they can't yes. control, things they cannot right. understand. And then when you understand something, 
your opinions change. You right. know, I remember Fear goes away. Um, a friend of mine, I actually, um, they were a drag queen mm-hmm. and they had went to doing shows in the South, which I'm always, queens who do shows in the South, I'm like, man, I got to give you props because I that's did. A, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm giving your props too, because like that, and, and a and a place where I'm not saying all the self is bad. I'm trying to refrain no. myself saying that, but it's in a place where it's not as open as. And to me, coming from living in California yes. or New York or in cases in these big, very liberal cities, right. it's right. got to be hard. But then think about the impact you probably had on some young person's life by just doing that. And I'm not saying it's easy Maybe. at all. I don't think it's Maybe. easy at all. But yeah. I think. That's got to be so amazing to be able to stand that truth and do that and be able to still uh, live in your truth and do that, you know? Yeah. Which I know is you hard. Know it's, hard. What's amazing, though, I think, believe it or not, I believe I think the, the attitude in the South has gotten worse. Really? Um, yeah, because it would have been, at the very least, 1995. It would have been about 95 or so mm-hmm. that I was doing either drag drag karaoke or drag um you know like the standard lip synky right. uh, drag shows lip sync for your life sorry my favorite yes line. <laughs> there you go absolutely perfect <laughs> right and and by the way rupaul is actually from atlanta right i Not always true. always wanted to to end up meeting them and i never got the chance I knew people who knew because this was 95, right? RuPaul was not like a huge thing. Right. So I always, always wanted to meet them, but I never got the chance. So anyway, the point is just that, uh, you know, it, it feels like I was able to, to express myself the way I did, but if I were to go there now, it would actually be worse. Mm. I find it hard to believe that we could have slid backward. Ooh, you know what though? Can I ask you a question? Cause I'm curious. Sure. Um, you, I, I, you said you were your early forties. You said right. Mm-hmm. So it was okay. Do you, so? Do you, do you remember the time the queer was a pejorative term? I don't. Okay. Now you're, now you're making me think. I know it became more mainstream now because it yes. was always one of the other words, and that was that. But no, I don't remember that. Right. Okay. Because. I mean, I remember growing up, people would say, because I mean, what, what is the, um, oh, I cannot think of the movie. Is it like uh deliverance where somebody says the only thing from Texas is beers, steers, and queers. I'm trying, <laughs> I'm really, I think that line sounds familiar. Yeah. You, you, okay. I'm butchering yeah. the line, you know, <laughs> that same, that same psychologist. He was like, Oh God, existential psychology is doing the same. You don't even know the movie. Don't quote it. <laughs> Get your stuff together. <laughs> right. You are the worst guest ever, but, but it used to be pejorative. And the first time it was, and it's only been recent that that somebody said, yeah, you know, those of us in the queer community. And I went, ooh, don't, wow. I was like, you don't have to be mean about it. And the person's like, what are you talking about? And I go, it, that's sort of, I mean, you may as well, you may as well use like a racial slur. What are you doing? Mm. And the person goes, no, 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 no. We reclaimed it. Now it's okay it to be queer. That. You know, it's right. cool. And I was like, okay. But I still, every time I hear it, I have this little twinge where I kind of go, Really? It you. Yeah, if, it does I, a little I, bit. I, I could totally understand that because it's it's almost in this, this age of wokeness, which I'm yeah. all for, but it gets to a little degree where it's a little much. 
but I do, <laughs> I, but I do think it's the fact of like, it's great to understand that. And at least hopefully we're, we're teaching our generations that it's okay to understand these things. I mean, I, it's right. crazy enough. I don't know how you feel about maybe people you talk to, but obviously people are still using, you know, fag as reclaiming right. it. And I'm like, right. you know, which we know for years has been a very derogatory, awful thing to right. say to anyone. Yes. But now all of a sudden it's okay to say again. And I'm just like, wait, I don't mm-hmm. So I guess that worked for me. You know, it was queer for you. I feel like fag for me is like one of those words. I'm like, yeah. that was probably the worst thing you call someone who was gay. And now oh, it's yeah. like, oh, it's okay. With well, my girlfriends, it's okay. It's okay with my guy friends. It's okay. But I'm like, I don't know. Cause I'm like, I just feel like it's still wrong i don't hate anyone that uses it you do what you need to do but i mean i just never just being such a horrible word to say and now right. it was like right hate it i'm like wow that's now it's cool now it's cool like we it, made fat cool i don't know how that happened it, but it's the labels it's it's a crazy to yeah. me it's a crazy thing how labels labels end up meaning so much you you had started going down the the road of of woke and and sometimes it can go a little far Mm-hmm. It's it is interesting now. I'll meet somebody in in the community, somebody I don't really know, and I'll say, you know, so tell me a little bit about yourself. And the first thing they do is rattle off this string. I mean, the, I think the most I saw was a good eight labels, because mm-hmm. I had it was there was the uh, the you know I'm going to make this up, but it was like non-binary, trans, femme, aromantic, asexual, demi girl, but and I'm like. I don't like what the I don't what is this mean? Like, like oh, okay. <laughs> and I and I stopped and I I was I went okay listen like thank you. I mean I appreciate that cuz sure. now I now I have some some words to go look up. But who are you? Like tell me about yourself. I don't I think people forget that. I re- I I'm with you. On yes. that. I feel like people forget the fact of it's like okay, I'm Doug. I'm a gay man. Great. But I love writing. I love traveling. I love what the case is. I, that's right. fine you know i mean i i, I think you should obviously un, you know accept yourself and understand the gender that you are or how you feel but mm-hmm. at the same time it has it shouldn't be your only talking point this is yeah incorporate it yeah. obviously don't feel ashamed of it no of course not but bring more to the table about yourself i think but i also yeah. think that's a suppression that i've been working on myself is to be like it's okay to talk about yourself it's okay to talk about because yeah. i think in the past right. we've been told no, 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 no. Don't talk too much about yourself. Sit there, look quiet. Like, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. And it's like, right. I'm a little pretty prince or princess. And it's like, no, now it's like, it's okay to do it. But then you're like, what do you want to know? You know, what do you want me to right. talk about? Right. But I think it's a balance. I think once you get that, understand that balance and that level of communication, which I think is faltering in our public school systems. And I think in just society in general, because we hide behind a text or a phone or technology. It's hard to do that. And I think the mediums like this and podcasts and get on my little soapbox is like, it's a way to be able to connect again with people on such a more human level that I think yes. we are sadly, sadly getting away from, mm-hmm. you know, when, when that person finished rattling off the, the words and I said, can you tell me about yourself? Dear the headlines. They were, yeah. They were surprised. <laughs> it was like, wait a minute. You want something more than that? And I'm like, I'm like yes. yeah, because that kind of told me for what it's worth, like, fuck all. I, I mean, I've got words. <laughs> Tell yeah. me about you. Yeah. And, and I agree. I think much of what, what our society does now is say, well, don't, 
don't tell us about yourself. There's like this, it's a weird extreme of either, oh God, I just want to like segregate everybody who di- who isn't just like me mm-hmm. off to wherever. I'm not, I don't know. I'm pushing him somewhere. A ran island somewhere. I mean, let's <laughs> sure. be honest. They did that to the British convicts, and that was Australia. But yeah, you know, how did talk that about work that. out? Yeah, exactly. Right? All right, let's talk about that. <laughs> so, so we just we we just want to push them away. Or there's the other extreme where it's like, well, I've got to go. You're not going to hear my name. What you're going to hear is is my entire pedigree of everything I've ever thought. And you know, social media really fosters this where where mm. you know you you can go on twitter or as i guess i haven't been on twitter in a while but like blue sky mastodon i'm Facebook, sorry i just have to whatever. update you on me it is called x we are supposed to call it x. oh god damn it wait wait, wait. <laughs> you, you don't you don't mean to say that dead naming should be wrong i mean I should not be saying it. See, we're going through this again. It's another level we're going through. It's like Elon Musk. Fucking sorry, fuck off. Like I don't know why he decided to change it to X. So that's the dumbest thing in the world. But that's my little brand. I'm like, what? But really? But what, isn't it a phenomenal point? Because Elon Musk wants to keep dead naming his Oof. transgender child, and, oh, and forgive me, transgender t- child. I don't m- know much about you, but Elon Musk wants to to dead name his child. But you call Twit, you call X Twitter, and that's wrong. What are you doing, man? That's that's crap. Oh, so, I cannot stand him. Yeah. I know it seems it's crazy. It, it seems crazy. names are important. What a surprise! Well, thank you. To our, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> our next topic, which I, I really love to learn more about, is you know your journey and experiences um, being a transgender woman. So, kind of walk us through as much you want to share kind of your mm-hmm. journey of how you got to where you are today and living your full truth and being the hopefully the happiest you've ever been in your life. Gosh. I was asked <clears throat> I was asked a question a few weeks ago. When was the first time you knew you were transgender? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and sometimes there are, you, there's generally like two extremes on this one too. There's always two extremes. Where people who go, yeah, I don't know, I was like four years old. And then there are people who said, well, I was diagnosed by like a psychologist a couple of years ago. Right. And and I don't under, personally, I don't understand. Um, there's a word for this. It's good. It was LST. So it's light switch transgender. Hmm. You get diagnosed and you go, oh God, is that what that meant all along? Oh, light switch went up. Jesus. Okay. All right. I am, I am one of those people who, so I grew up with three sisters mm-hmm. and, and my father was, was pretty absent. He's now, you know, left his body, so he's really absent. But I, God, I for those who don't know, funny. your father might is gone. Pass yes. on to the next life. Actually, I, I never heard that use it for, so I'm not the use that now. Le- oh, left his body. Oh, yeah. You know, I thought that was going to be a funny thing to say, and then I was like, God, I'm making a joke about my dad's death. Listen, death is I'm only the bitch. beginning. <laughs> right? <laughs> no. It happens. It's life. We all have to end at some point, you know? Right, right. It's part of life. So I grew grew up with three sisters, and I, I would say that my social uh, socialization is the word we like to use for this. My socialization was actually as, as feminine as I probably could have asked for. Mm. And, and I was actually kind of confused by the time I was about eight years old going, wait, I, I do appear different, and people do treat me differently. Why is that? And then I hit puberty and and everything just went to hell in a handbasket. It was really honestly some of the worst years of my life. Right. 
But I knew then there was a joke. Um, I'm actually nobody I know has has heard this joke, but there was a joke in the early 80s, I think, um, that somebody taking a Swedish vacation. Okay. That ever doesn't ring a bell. Okay. No. I think Sweden had just perfected or had opened up healthcare for gender reassignment surgery. Mm, okay. I think I may have heard of this. Okay. So, so the joke was, you know, you take a Swedish vacation, you go away as, as you know, John and come back as Joanne or something. You know, that <laughs> was that was the joke. Now I get it. Okay. And I remember being like 12 years old going, oh, dang, is that all I have to do? How much Easy. does it cost to get yeah. to Sweden? Right. right. I'm like, this should be. This is a snap and then everything will be right. Right. But I, I, you know, obviously I didn't go to Sweden, <laughs> but um, when I was 12 anyway, I mean, I still haven't been there. I don't know where this is going. Forget Sweden. But lovely I, you country know, I went, right here. But yes. Oh, I'm sure. Sorry, Swedes. <laughs> I didn't. That was not. Remember Sweden. Just don't remember it until the podcast is over. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you visit Sweden. <laughs> It's not a sponsorship. Just saying, Sweden's right. Switzerland's amazing. <laughs> neither, neither is Podmatch. Podmatch yes. also. We're not. We're not no, endorsing no. it. Not endorsing Sweden. No. So, in any event, I really wanted to do that, and I knew very well by about twelve years old I was going to transition in some way, whatever that meant. And, okay. and I, you know, at twelve years old, I had no idea. You know, I thought it was going to be simple. Right. So. By my teenage years, early teenage years, you know, I was I was dressing in my sister's clothes. By the time I was an undergraduate, I was dressing in my girlfriend's clothes. It's mm -hmm. part of the reason she broke up with me. Uh, Is it because you both were um, running for prom queen? Sorry. No, no. She <laughs> could you imagine? That would have been I think that would have been great. I would have loved that. But <laughs> no, she said I stretched out her dress. And candidly, I don't know if that's true. That's what she's probably more worried about. <laughs> mm, I, I, right. She's like, oh, gosh, I stretched out my dress. I'm going to blame you, though. Right. What are you doing wearing my dress? I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> and I'm taking my dress with me, and I'm going to go lose 20 pounds. So I fit back in it again. Damn you. <laughs> but so anyway, girlfriends and everything. I knew I was going to do this. I was dressing up. By the time I went to graduate school, I went from California, right? Mm -hmm. And then I was living in Georgia. And I had no friends, no family, you know, I had nothing. So I'm like, God, I can make whatever identity I want. And so I did. Isn't that so true you for know? people? Like, you can just go to a whole new place. I mean, I think I went through that. Actually, to not inject your story, but when I had my coming out experience was I went to the mm. most happiest place in the world called Disney World. Disney <laughs> Nice. So if you're going to find yourself, I think the most magical place in the world might be the place yes. like that. But you had a chance like so. to reinvent yourself and find your own mm -hmm. tribe and start something new. And right. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Right. I totally identify with that. Yeah. And and I leaned into it. I, I had a, a name, I had a look. My hair was was waist length. This is a little shorter now, but yeah. it was waist length. It was dyed black. Um I had grown up with three sisters, so I was familiar with makeup and clothes and fashion. And so I integrated myself as the name I used was Selena. That's mm -hmm. that's my middle name now. Okay. But I integrated myself into a scene there of other transgender women. And as the chemistry graduate uh, community, I'm not sure what I wanted to use there, but other graduate students were kind of like, 
you are really from California because you are so weird. And they just kind of wrote off anything I did. Anything I did, they're like, well, yeah, but that don't came forget. first. So your identity was this place you grew up that came first. Mm -hmm. do, do you know that's half the reason why I leaned into being Selena? I, I actually, I was having a discussion, believe it or not, about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, so you'd think, love that movie. Yeah. Amazing oh, show. I know. But you'd think the people I was talking to were like relatively accepting type people. Right. When, when I was in, in Georgia, when I first got there, my hair was, was blonde because my hair is naturally blonde. Mm -hmm. And, and for what it's worth, just to go on for a moment, beautiful. Okay. It was, you know, the California blonde with the gold and the, you know, it's curly. Uh, and I mean, were, it was, you were Katy Perry's California girl. I was absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> There's, I mean, I, even in California, people will come up and go, God, who does your hair? Right. It's truly amazing. And I'm like, nobody. That's natural. <laughs> Lovely. Maybe I'm born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Uh, no, fucker. God. I was born with it. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of being catty there. but So anyway, somebody on the, on this Rocky Horror Picture Show like Usenet group said, you know what? I have two words for you. Go home, surfer boy. And I went, oh, my God, you think I'm a surfer? The thing that hurt <laughs> me was being associated with surf. I mean, I grew up in Los Angeles. Like Bill and Ted were my people, like literally right. my people. And I went, no, 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 no. I mean, neither of them was a surfer, by the way. But, you know, right. that that whole community, I'm like, no, I am not one of those. And then I started dyeing my hair, and then I dyed it black, and then I was like, actually, this looks pretty dang good, and thought I'd start wearing makeup, and leaned into being Selena. Wow. Let me actually scoot forward like 30 years, because it's <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've suffered with mental health my whole life. Graduate mm -hmm. school was was very difficult. I, I ended up ultimately being diagnosed with what's now called schizoaffective disorder. Mm. Okay. Um, I've had previous psychologists say, well, you know, you have something like a multiple personality disorder, which is now, you know, the, the, the non uh, politically correct term to use, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but I never got help. And it's interesting because I didn't get help because I would go to mental health professionals who would say, so let me make, let, let me get this straight. So you have all of these symptoms but like you're holding down a normal job, you, you know, you, you went through graduate school, you have like a relationship, you seem too highly functional for these symptoms actually to present. Like you can't really have both at once. And I went, I don't, well, so what are we going to do? And they're right. like, pretty much nothing, I guess. Good luck. Go home. You know, your, your symptoms don't seem real. Isn't that crazy? The people you go to for help to help you with this diagnosis, and it's, I'm not, this is not the whole community, but I think it's just crazy how we don't, we don't do enough to really help and understand mm -hmm. these things and realize no. what it's like, it's like, once again, we're, we're going back to the whole theory of fitting into a box. It's like, oh, but you're, mm -hmm. you got a job, you're working, you're fine, this, this, and that. So <laughs> you don't have any issues. Like, no, things still happen. Like, you still are right. having these diagnoses, you're still having these feelings. Like, just because you're doing great, which is amazing, nothing wrong with that, doesn't mean you shouldn't be treated for the things that are happening. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it is weird. I, you know, 
I, I have a term for this, which is the pathologization of being human. Mm-hmm. Is that a term, a phrase, whatever? Um, I gave it a label. And the, the label is to imply that you have to have the label of pathology in order actually to be treated for anything. And then I, the, to a certain extent, it's like, why can we just trust people? Look, I feel depressed. And they go, well, have you been depressed for two weeks straight mm-hmm. with a certain level of, have you been able to sleep? Do you eat? And if you go, well, I don't, I don't check enough boxes. They go, oh, sucks to be you go home. You know, you're, you're fine. You know, magically cured. And it's like, no, I'm still feeling like hell. What am I? So to, to speed this up at least a little bit, my, um, in 2001, I actually, I was, I got divorced. My, um, my first, my first wife, by the way, I just want to, after I, uh, first wife, what after, you, Elizabeth Taylor, you had like four of them. Yes. Yes. Seven, <laughs> seven. I have seven. No, Jeez. <laughs> I'm Henrietta the eighth is what I am. It's <laughs> no, Multitudes. I, uh, yes, my, um, Dude, I told you my first girlfriend broke up with me because, you know, she says I stretched out my dress. Okay. I started dating this woman who said, oh, honey, don't worry about, you know, being in the community. All the best of us are. Mm -hmm. And I am pretty confident that when I dressed up as Selena, she looked at me and went, oh, damn. Well, I don't want to be shown up by my, you know, like, I think I was prettier than she was. Even if this isn't true, I'm still using this excuse, I'm going to, okay. um, I don't even, cause it might be false, but let's pretend it's, let's just pretend it's true. Right, so we'll that. yeah, I don't know where I was going. Oh, sure. So I was getting divorced, getting divorced. And I said, I am finally, I'm going to transition. All right. Mm-hmm. And I told the woman who is actually now my wife, we had been dating for about a year. This was 2001. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to do this. And she said, yeah, okay. And I thought, mm, was that going to? I don't know, but I went and I started looking at the, the process and I don't remember if it was two or three. I think I held up four fingers. I don't know. <laughs> Again, chemist, no, but, um, I looked into the process and I needed either two or three psychiatrists to evaluate me. And then I'd have to live as my preferred gender for a year. And if I passed those gates, then I, I could begin hormone therapy. And I think I needed a year or two. I think it's two years on hormone therapy before I would be eligible for, for gender reassignment surgery. Is that the process um, still to this day or has that changed no. over time? Okay. No, it's much easier now. Okay. Um, when I knew I was going to have to talk to psychiatrists, for lack of a better way of saying this, I just folded. I went, okay, then I'm never going to, I'm well, never going to be able to. Based off your past experience, it's like, they're just going to look at you and say, you're fine. And that's it. And not even right. consider right. anything else. Yeah. They might even go, well, you've had like relationship with women, so relationships with women. So how could you possibly be a woman yourself? Despite the fact that I've also had relationships with men. So I don't know, but that's beside the point, apparently. So I let it sit and my mental health continued to, to spiral somewhere, anywhere. But our son was born in 2011, a phenomenal kid, such an amazing kid. And if we have time, I'll tell you about him. But um, I said to myself, though, when we went to that 
ultrasound because I remember the ultrasound. My father had four sisters. Look, I actually got four fingers out. Um, my father had four sisters. I have three. I was pretty dang confident. I'm going to have a girl, right? It's the genetics. Right. Doesn't actually, there's no proof for that. But I was totally sure I'm going to have a daughter. And I remember the, the ultrasound tech goes, and look, there's a little penis. I'm a boy. And I went, oh, crap. And I went home and I remember writing in my journal going, what the hell am I going to do? Because I was going to live my girly life out through my daughter. Right. Now what? So instead, what I did is I said, Okay, I'm going to have a son. Sons need fathers. Fathers are men. Anything vaguely transgender, I packaged up and I wrapped it up really tightly so I could throw it over my shoulder and forget it ever occurred. Right. And and I'm sure you've I'm sure you know enough about mental health to know that didn't happen. <laughs> no, sadly no. Yeah. So at the end of 2021, I had my fifth trip to to the psychiatric ward. The first time I got sent home, which was, I thought of that as progress, you know, <laughs> try to see Something. the, yeah, yeah I mean, try to see the positive. Yeah. I, right. I didn't spend any time, you know, they, they let me go home as the, I did, well, I wasn't involuntarily committed and like, that's grand. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But my wife says, listen, I think you need to consider your gender identity. And I thought, Ooh, that means transition. And I don't think I can do that. But I thought about it until about May of 2022. And I remember crying to my wife and saying, I just really want to transition. And she said, all right, we'll go do it. And I looked at her and I said, you would let me do this? And she goes, no, no, I'm not letting you do anything. You need to let yourself do that. Work. And I probably probably cried even more i'm misting up you know just telling the story Amazing. because i started i started hormone therapy which by the way the process now if you're over 18 depending upon what stage you are you're, mm -hmm. you're in and, and that's actually very i mean that's obviously very important but but if you're over 18 all i had to do was say i have been informed of possible side effects and i consent to receiving a prescription mm -hmm. the end it's called informed consent and that's all it <clears> took <throat> for me to get a hormone you know an estrogen prescription and i will tell you within two weeks i i don't have a good way of describing it i realized that i was feeling emotions and I know, you know, there are probably normal people out there. I'm going to put that in quotes. Normal people going, yeah, Amy, we feel emotions. Did you know that? No, I didn't. What I knew was the emotion anger. I knew either anger or nothing. Yeah. And I started experiencing these emotions. And I went, you've got to be kidding me. Is this what I've missed for 52 years? I also started experiencing physical pain, which, you know, that one's a bit of a bummer, but well, so, that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the last almost two years now have been absolutely the best years of my life. Absolutely. Um, there have been 
times in the last two years where, because see, one of the things that I realized after I'd sort of conquered this, this major pain of gender dysphoria, mm-hmm. we sort of peeled that big, huge, it was a very thick skin of the onion, I guess, pulled that back. And I went, this is great. I'm for the rest of my life, I'm going to be absolutely perfect. And then I realized, oh gosh, wait, there's a whole lot of childhood trauma that I've never been capable of processing because it's been covered up. And so 2023 had some very rocky patches. And I guess I'm happy to report that by 2024, I think I've at least reached the ability now to process all of my emotions, process all of my trauma, process, you know, experiences that that have occurred now running into my 54th year. I can't imagine going back. It would kill me. Yeah. Flat out. It and that's just the me. honest answer, answer to have. And I mm-hmm. think we are so afraid to talk about those things because it's almost like, I think if I tried to be straight, I would it not would be happy. You. It would not yeah. be, it'd be nothing. I wouldn't right. meet the partner I have today. I wouldn't make the friends I had. I wouldn't just be my authentic bitchy self. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and, and I'm to, happy to, for that. And I'm glad for that. Exactly. <laughs> you know? but to, br- to bring it back to Rollo May, just yeah. so that that particular story doesn't doesn't sit there dying on the vine. Right now, now that I've been able to to express the person I knew I was all along, oh, I am so much happier, and I've been able to figure out things like non-binary, and I've been able to figure out where to get compassion for people who, uh, you know, want to shiv me in a dark mm-hmm. alley. Yeah. Um, it's it's not a lot of compassion, but. It's certainly more compassion than I might have had. I mean, I think that's one of the other things we have to worry about. You know, I could think about someone being homophobic. I could think of someone having a different opinion, but it's more of like, if we keep shunning and hating these people, it's not going to change anything. It's right. only, only going to make it worse. It's going to make it grow. Right. And so ideally, it's okay to have a different opinion. I actually have a girlfriend that I talked to and we had like a fireside, I mean, we were a little drunk, but we had like a fireside <laughs> drunk, <laughs> drunk conversation. <laughs> Which I think sometimes are the best conversations. Let's be honest. Like you get some real truth sometimes. And, you know, she grew up in the South and she didn't stand homosexuality. I mean, her best friend was gay. And, you know, I was friends with him. And she says, I just don't understand it. She's like, I don't, she says, I fear my kids being this way. And I'm like, what do you fear? Do you fear them just being themselves? Like, she's like, no, I fear that I can't protect them. I fear that I can't Mm. be a good parent and, stop them from feeling isolated or hurting themselves or hurting mm-hmm. others. Yeah. And I thought, and I didn't never think it from that point. I said, you know, I, I never been a parent. I, I mean, I had niece and nephews and, you know, but I never thought of it that way. Cause I felt like maybe that's how my mom probably felt that it's not about you being yourself, but as a parent, how do I protect you and make yeah. sure you are safe being who you want to be. And I, and I'm so glad seeing parents today really have these conversations with themselves and their kids and being like, this is a thing. It's not about hate. Yeah. It's not about understanding. It's the fact that you want to think about protecting your children and not protecting them from the, well, obviously, obviously protecting them from themselves, but also protecting them from that world because this world yeah. today is just, it's fucked. It's a little mean. It's, it's a little kind mean. of a lot mean. Yeah. A lot whole more mean, you know? So it was so great to understand it and see that. And 
this leads us to our last topic, which is about the importance of mental health and how, mm. you know, this can help. I mean, you obviously have went through your struggles with mental health and, you know, your struggles, but ideally what has been maybe something that's been very helpful for you, whether it be therapy or whatever things you do for yourself to really help you kind of balance it or maybe um, kind of find a common ground of being okay with where your mental health is and, and getting that help. There are two, there are two major practices <clears throat> that I credit with much of the mental health I've experienced today. And I'm saying that slightly ironically, but not, you know, cause I mean, I still, I still have ups and downs, but sure. the, the two practices, one of them is meditation. Okay. It, it's very difficult. Um, I think it's very difficult to, hmm, what am I trying to say? Many people say, well, meditation, you know, I just can't do it. I've got too busy of a mind. And, and that's kind of the point, you know, the more you practice it, the more you learn how to slow that down. It's not yeah. easy. I'm not going to even pretend like it's easy. And I'm not going to say that every time I go to meditate, I have this perfect experience where the universe opens up and, and, you know, there's choirs of, of whatever singing for me, you know, I, I'm, Whatever no. your religion is, whatever you feel. Yeah. <laughs> whatever it is, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm pagan, so I don't know. It's like choirs of fairies. Let me just go with this. It's like choirs of fairies flitting down and singing for yeah. me. No. But at the same time, you know, it's it's part of what has trained me to 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 gain some equanimity. <laughs> and <clears throat> whatever that might be. The other big practice that I, that I think has been very, very um, useful for me is just journaling. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's a, a, the, usually the people who go, ah, you know, I, I couldn't sit down and meditate because I have too many thoughts in my head. The, those same people tend to go, wait, journaling. <clears throat> I have nothing to talk about, <laughs> nothing to write about. Man. Well, what about all these thoughts that you that you have in your heads, you know, so that yeah. you can't admit? Oh, yeah, but those are stupid thoughts. Right. And that's why you write them down, because mm -hmm. it forces you, it, at least in my experience, I believe it forces you to uh, enunciates, not the, the term I want to use, but it, it makes you put the feelings you have into words yeah. and putting them into words means that you understand yourself better. It's a great tool for introspection is is my my opinion. J journaling, I mean, because I don't no. think meditation is. There, there there are ways you could use meditation as introspection, but I you know so journaling and, and meditation are my two those are the two big things. Um j just to to try to because you know it's kind of like, oh yeah, is that good? Um <laughs> Is that, a, when, is, that, is that it? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of, let's say everybody <laughs> says that. Good on you, right? Well, right. So, so in 2000, gosh, when, when did this, so in 2015 was the first time I went, I was 35. It was the first time I went to, no, I was 45. So this was 2005, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> I was 35 years old, 34, I think, when right. I was first involuntarily committed. It took that long before I could get any help. Right. And it only happened because I, you know, content warning people here. I was doing a lot of self-harm mm -hmm. and my fiance at the time called 
the cops and said, you know, I'm I'm kind of afraid. I mean, there's, you know, there's blood going on here. Can right. pick this person up, you know, take take care of her. So I got that uh, I got that diagnosis and they gave me medications. And I thought, oh, medications are going to be great. Everything will be solved. And and really what it did was was not great. Yeah. And so between 2005 and 2000, about 13, mm-hmm. I was just on medications and really it didn't manage much of my problem. I guess it managed symptoms. Right. But I said to myself, I'm, I'm not, I can't get better because I'm on, you know, on these medications. I think medications are phenomenal for short-term sure. management so that you can get to a point where you can say, I, okay, now I have to do something else. Right. And what I did was start meditating. I started running. I started writing in a journal uh, purposely as opposed to, to you know, um, before it was kind of kind of um <laughs> disjointed right and and by 2000 it was about a year and a half later i got off of all medications oh. my my psychiatrist when i went to him i said listen i'm going to get off of these and he went you know people like you don't get off these medications people like you take these medications You're like excuse all well. their life <laughs> yes i went I, I did i went oh people like me now for sure i'm getting off these medications you'll see and he went mm-hmm. okay let's see and a year and a half later i'm walking out the door and he shakes my hand he says you know what if i didn't see it i wouldn't have believed it because yeah. people like you and i went i know People like me, we don't get off medications, do we? And he went, mm-hmm. all right, well, Godspeed or something like that. And I, wa- I walked out the door and I'm like, yeah. Hair toss. You know? I love that. <laughs> right. And my hair was probably short at the yeah. time, but it was. But you but know what? You're, totally... you're, you're feeling good as hell. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. And And so, you know, mental health, it ultimately, I don't think that I could improve until I, until I really, really decided I had to. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's been the same with, with gender transition until I really, really believed I had to do it. I was just gonna suffer. Mm-hmm. And and that, that is the lot in life of so many of, of all of our brothers and sisters. So many. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes they wait too late to get the help they need. And yes. this is why I always stress there are communities, there are places to go. And obviously I was putting yep. a link in the podcast that it's, it's important to do that, you know, because even for myself, it was, it was very hard, you know, it was. but I also yeah. think, you know, if I didn't get the help or kept therapy and my story, my story is almost a fact of like, I lost both of my fathers. So I had oh. my father, I had my stepfather. And, you know, my, my father committed suicide. I talked about this before. And it was kind of like, is that my fault? Did I do something about that? But it's more about, it was, I think it was his choice and it was his journey and something that I, I couldn't fix. But as a, as a child, you always think, and I mean, it happened when I was older, but it was still like, as a child of his, it's like, you think, did I do something? Could I have changed something? Could I, could I have done something to keep him here? But then I think about the wild and, and therapy, I'm like, no, that's something that he no. had to figure out. But again, I hate that because in our community, at least in the African-American community, you know, as a man, you're not supposed to talk about your feelings. You're not supposed to talk about how sure. you're not supposed sure. to say, 
oh, I'm getting help or I'm figuring this out. It's like, it's frowned upon. It's a big X. And I'm not talking about Twitter. Sure. But, you know, it's, but it's, you know what I mean? It's like, you don't talk about that. And then, you know, when I lost my stepfather, which sadly he was sick and it was someone I was more connected to and more, you know, close to as well. And it's, you lose these important figures in your life and you start thinking like, is it me? Am I the problem? But obviously sickness, yeah. you can't change that. That's life, you know, but you start losing those things. I think when he died, my mother went to therapy and then I went back to therapy. And I think we both kind of did healing through that. And it was yeah. very helpful. And, and it made our bond a lot more stronger too. But I think oh, good. it's, you got it. Sometimes you you realize, you don't even think about this. I think about it this way. If I didn't do it, I feel like I'd still be, I could be a lot worse. I put it that way. I could be mm -hmm. on drugs. I could be addicted to anything else. I could be out in the streets. I could just be, I'm all about sex positivity, but I think there's a level of safety with having sex. But I, there are people I've seen who go a little rampant and a little crazy. And it's like, oh, sure. You know, it's, uh, hey, do what you want to do and be happy, but let's be safe at the same time, you know? So it's, it's hard to think about what could have been if I didn't take the steps to realize, you know what, this is maybe stopping me from moving forward or, or helping me understand people or understand yeah. myself in a process. So because of me just going there to be able to talk, it helps so many more things. It helped me understand and put perspective of things that my father's suicide is not my fault. Uh, my stepfather dying, it's not my fault because I have yeah. such a hero complex where I feel like I have to fix everything. It's the nerd in me, but it's just like, you can't save everyone. You can't save every no. aspect of life. You know, um, you have to be able to save yourself. But also, I went back to the idea of like, I want to inform people and let them know it's okay to go get help. It's okay to talk about it. Because I'd rather you do that than you either self-harm yourself or you hurt someone else. Right. You know, right. That's the most important part to me. You know, it's, it's why we need to become comfortable being uncomfortable. Exactly. Wow. That's a good full circle right there. I love that. You know what? Somebody ought to make a podcast using the <laughs> phrase know, similar. Someone should. should be the way to go. <laughs> oh, but, you know, not laughing about mental health, but I did. Sometimes you probably have to, but I think it's, it, it's taking, taking that approach to being okay with that and being okay yeah. with it and not shaming it. We shouldn't shame yes. anything at these levels. We right. shouldn't shame. If you want to identify as whoever you want to identify as, and uh, go ahead and do it and let the world know. But yes. also let the world know more about you and what you have to offer. And getting help could be so great and it could be so reliable and it's so much out there. It just takes a small level of research and talking to the right people to to get the help you need. And I think sometimes people are scared to do that, but it's out there. People, it's out there. You're that's, not alone. You are definitely that's that not pathologization. alone. Yeah. yeah. You're not alone. We, we are afraid of being labeled sick. Yep. If we get labeled, yep. and I mean, I think this, this plays into, I, I know we're running low on time here. Yeah, you yeah. can cut some, cut the Rollo May story from earlier, but. <laughs> no, I love um, that story. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah but it went on too long but the um like gender dysphoria i think is a very <clears throat> i mean it's a very big topic to the transgender community but i think gender dysphoria is actually a huge component of social reinforcement i mean it's how we end up learning social roles yeah but if but when i have brought up to to people um 
you know, what you experienced there, experienced there was gender dysphoria. I've yeah. had some people re respond very violently. So, well, no, 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 no. That's, that's for those weirdo transgender people, you know, that I would not get gender dysphoria because I'm totally secure. And, and it's like, look, don't. It's like, sure, Jim, it's calm down. <laughs> calm down. It's like, cool. But, you know, depression, whatever, like, you know, yeah. anxiety, fear. There are reasons why we feel these things, but we want to pathologize them because because supposedly we're not supposed to. Wait, suppose eh, whatever. I was a crappy I way know. of saying it, but but, but we're I not it, supposed yeah. to be. Yeah, we're not supposed to be afraid. We're mm -hmm. supposed to be happy. We're not supposed to go into situations and go. Oh, I'm anxious. Why not? Why are these pathologies? These are normal human experiences, and if we feel them. We should process them. And that's what therapy exists for, for processing some of these things that we, the, 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 really, I think this comes down to insurance. Um, we pathologize for the sake of getting health care as opposed to being well. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'll I kick my that. soapbox out of the way. No, I I'm love done. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Emmy, it's been amazing talking with you today. Where can people find out more about you? any projects you're working on, learning more about you and your story, where can we find you? The best place to look. So my personal website, if you want to follow me on any social media stuff, it's amethysta.io. <laughs> and then where all of my professional work goes now. So all of the, the podcasts that I record, all of the, the articles I write, those go on a website called genderidentitytoday.com. Perfect. And for what it's worth, we all we accept um, contributions. So if there's anybody who wants to write about gender or identity, by all means, reach out to me because I'd love to publish your story as well. That's, yeah. you know, that's my dang mission. And there we yeah. go. Love it. Well, thank you again for such a great talk. And people, like I said, there's help and there's avenues for everyone to feel accepted, loved and respond to. So. My final message to you is to stay well, be you, be your most authentic self, and don't give a fuck what people say. <laughs> Honestly, just don't. I'm just, just don't. Do Perfect. you. Do you. Perfect. All right, Ami. Give you, the, give you the, heart. the heart. Love it. All right. Hope to talk to you soon. Thanks again.